0: We are going to be in uh, Isaiah chapter 53. So, if you'd like to turn there, I'm going to read in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 10. Isaiah 53:10. This is this is the Lord talking about Christ, speaking of Christ. It says, "But the Lord was pleased to crush him." Putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel in the Old Testament. Thank you for your word. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things from it, and that you be glorified in Jesus' name, Amen. Isaiah fifty-three. This chapter is—I'm sure—it's familiar to all of us. And God is speaking to Israel by the words of the prophet Isaiah in this in this chapter. That's um, so familiar. And uh, the New Testament cites this chapter as the clearest foretelling of. Uh, Really, all of the sufferings of the coming Messiah, and it reveals the one who is the righteous servant of Yahweh. Here we see the full measure of his humiliation at the hands of wicked men as a ransom for sinners. And here we read of the promised success of the sacrifice he makes that finishes the work of his people's atonement on a Roman cross. This chapter shows us Christ redeeming his many people, Jews and Gentiles, from their sins, defeating death, and being exalted by God the Father. And here the gospel, the good news, unfolds in amazing detail like no other place in the Old Testament. And Israel is shown that they must have a suffering Savior. I want to draw your attention to verse 11, the first part of that verse where it says, As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. As the result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. So first, what makes Christ satisfied? Let's consider what's being spoken of here. Uh, As a result of the anguish or the labor or the travail of his soul, he will see it. What will he see? Um, The verse 10 tells us, uh, well, he will see the result of his sufferings, but verse 10 tells us he will see his seed. And so it's figurative language, but there's a connection uh, between these words. And this should make us think about the anguish of labor, the labor of childbirth, uh, where there's pain before uh, seeing a newborn baby. And the result of his anguish on the cross is that this debt for his sinful people, the ransom price, has been paid in full when he takes their place. He has accomplished all that God the Father sent him to do. He has finished the work of redeeming his people, his seed, once for all. God demonstrates his own love for us, toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is what satisfied our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But notice that in this text, all this is spoken of as yet to happen in the future. He will be satisfied. Surely, he is satisfied now on this side of the cross. God has seen his sacrifice and raised him from the dead and exalted him. The Son of God has earned complete satisfaction. He is filled with the joy that was set before him because he endured the cross and despised the shame and has now sat down at the right hand of God but do you know that one day in the future he will see the fullness of the results? History isn't over, and there is a day in time coming when Christ shall yet see the full result of the anguish of his soul. And what will that be? The great multitude of the redeemed gathered in to worship around his throne. Not one shall be missing. You see that there is a future consummation Of his finished work that is promised by the scriptures. All of the redeemed, bought with a price of his broken body and shed blood and the travail of his soul, will be with him in glory where he is. He's promised by God the Father that he will see it. And this verse shows us that this will be a certain fact of history. Manton says, He counts the salvation of lost sinners to be satisfaction enough for all his pains. Now, do you see there is an implication for each of us in the fact of Christ's satisfaction in his finished work on the cross? Do we esteem the sacrifice rightly? Are you one of his redeemed ones? Then it must be your joy and satisfaction to bring others to Christ. There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Do you thrill at the thought of lost friends and family, um, coming to Christ, turning to Christ. Christ. Christ accomplished the work of our redemption, um, the redemption of his people by taking their place on the cross. He did this for you. And remember that apart from, apart from this gospel, uh, apart from hearing the gospel, really, uh, faith can't come to any sinful heart. And so uh, you know, what I want us to see is that, is that we are the means of Christ's satisfaction. You are the means of Christ's satisfaction in this. With the aid of the Holy Spirit, the disciples of Christ, um, as disciples of Christ, we are given the joyful task of bringing in his purchased possession through our efforts of prayer and speaking the truth of God's word in love. And he will be satisfied by the full number of many sons being brought to glory. And he will use vessels of clay like us to accomplish this. Now, how is Christ satisfied? How is Christ satisfied? He will see the end for which he suffered, unfathomable anguish of soul. Spurgeon says it will be part of his heaven to look upon his redeemed. Christ's experience of joy, his experience of satisfaction, has in one sense already taken place. He has seen his seed, his people saved from the penalty and pollution of sin. He's seen the saving faith in each of the redeemed under the old covenant who trusted in the Savior who was to come and covenanted with the Lord by sacrifice. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have all had their sins remitted by uh, by, by faith in the Messiah that was to come, and they've been brought into glory by the same ransom price of Christ's precious blood. He came to save his people from their sins And since the great gospel age began and the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, Christ has been satisfied to see the fruit of his labor increasing more and more. But do you realize that he will yet be satisfied in glory at the resurrection and the reward of the righteous redeemed? In his glorified body, in time, he will see the result of the anguish of his soul when he sees his redeemed people Listen, perfected, free from the power of sin, and glorified forever. Christ's satisfaction will know no end. The joy that was set before him will endlessly fill his vision as he sees the consummation and the vindication of his purchased possession. So now that we've considered the fact that we will have a satisfied Savior. Think for a moment what it means for you that he has yet to see the fulfillment or the full anguish of the, the full result of the anguish of his soul. Um, I mean, Lord willing, there are more precious souls to be brought to glory by you and me. His sovereign will, according to his good pleasure, was to call you to eternal life in Christ. And the appointed means by which every one of us comes to grasp the saving knowledge of this of his sacrifice is that someone must have spoken the word of God to you. His Holy Spirit granted you faith in that moment to hear and to trust in Christ alone and to repent, to turn from sin and from dead works, um, to turn away from those things. Um, So now by what means will Christ be satisfied? He will see the result of the anguish of his soul. He will see it fully when the lost around you hear the gospel from your lips, and God grants them repentance unto life. He will see it when you pray for a lost friend or family member year after year in persevering intercession. Christ will be satisfied when you use the means that God has appointed for rescuing the perishing sinners around you. Finally, why is Christ satisfied? Why is Christ satisfied? We've already touched on many reasons, but consider how it is in the conquest of Christ as a victorious, triumphant king that he subdues his enemies and rescues his helpless people from the kingdom of darkness and changes them to be reconciled sons of God in the kingdom of light. In all things he shall have the preeminence. Now does he redeem only a few? It says in Revelation chapter 7 that there will be a multitude which no man can count gathered before him in worship. This innumerable multitude of the redeemed is commensurate with the glory and the person of 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 the glory of his person and work. He is satisfied by the spoil that he has taken in battle with the enemy, Isaiah fifty three twelve. This satisfaction was produced in Christ since before the foundation of the world, and yet when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness and to reign so that every enemy is put under his feet, his satisfaction will be fully realized. He will yet be rewarded for the anguish of his soul, even though it is a sure and certain fact as if it had already taken place. He is worthy. He shall be satisfied because the anguish of his soul accomplished the redemption of a multitude of souls, and God has exalted him above every name that is named. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Do you share in any of Christ's holy desires? His desire out of love to seek and to save that which was lost must be ours as well. Do you see how fitting it is that we must surely love what he loves and rejoice at what brings joy to the heart of Christ? How can we not desire others to be saved when we have been saved ourselves? When we esteem his sacrifice rightly, we must be seeking Christ's satisfaction and his reward becomes our own. When we are his ambassadors, pleading with others to be reconciled to God as we are. We have been bought with a price, and we must see the preciousness of every soul for whom Christ died. By faith we go out sowing seeds of the gospel, and we trust that the results are in the hands of him who has been promised such a complete satisfaction. He shall be successful. He shall see the result of the anguish of his soul and be satisfied. Then do we labor in vain? He gave his disciples a great commission to go into all the world and to teach all nations and to make disciples of all nations. Do you remember what he said to them before he gave them this command? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Is the great commission of Christ doomed to failure when it is obeyed and acted upon in the power of Christ? Do you realize that your success is promised in the fact that Christ will be satisfied? While it's true that the judgment of God is revealed in the gospel to those who reject him, do not lose sight of the fact that Christ will have a great multitude which no man can number, and everything he must have the first place. It's this certain truth that motivates us to bring the gospel to others who, who have not yet heard. Consider the story of two Moravian Christians who had heard that there was an island in the West Indies owned by a slave master who forbade uh, any missionary from coming and teaching the slaves about salvation. When these two men heard this, they decided that if necessary, they would sell themselves as slaves to this man in order to get access to the poor lost Africans who were in bondage on the island. They booked passage on a ship, and before it sailed, there was a group of their brothers and sisters and family um Uh, On the shore, watching them slowly pull away from the harbor into the North Sea. In those days and under those circumstances, it may be no wonder that on the shore they wept at the thought that they might never see these young men ever again. But now listen to what one of the young men called out to them from the ship across the growing gap of water. He said, Shall not the lamb who was slain receive the full reward of his suffering? He will see the result of the anguish of his soul and be satisfied. The success of his sacrifice is certain. The success of the means of the gospel cannot be less certain. Let this ever be our prayer and our hope. May the lamb who was slain receive the full reward of his suffering.